You're listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. Bridges is a house church movement meeting in homes all across Music City. To find a house church near you or to find other ways to support or get involved, go to BridgesNashville.com. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I was just reading on a website by a pet brand that they took a survey and nearly half of the survey respondents said that they were dog people, but only 12% said they were cat people. Go ahead in our comments from wherever you're watching, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, or IGTV. In the comments, let us know, are you a dog person or a cat person. Now, personally, I am a dog guy all the way. I love dogs, always have. We grew up with dogs. I have a three-leg dog right now. Uh, Well, it's Nora's dog, but her name is Lila. She's a German short-haired pointer, and she is so sweet. We go on walks almost every single morning. She would literally play fetch 24-7 if you allowed her to, but Lila isn't the only pet in our house. We do have a cat. Uh, His name is Max, and here's a picture of Max. Max was our uh, birthday present to Nora a couple of years ago, and I gotta say, for a cat, Max is pretty cool. I don't like a lot of cats, but I like Max, but Max is naughty. In fact, recently he figured out a way where he can jump up onto our kitchen countertop, and on our kitchen countertop, we usually have food or a sweet treat of some sort, And uh, Max knows this. In fact, recently Sarah had just made a pumpkin cake. The smell was filling the house. We were so excited to try it once it cooled down, but so was Max. In fact, here's a picture of Max's two front paws. He beat us to the punch when we weren't watching. He cannot resist. This cat is always hungry. Food is his temptation. In fact, this is why we can't leave one of those self-feeders when we go out on vacation because Max would never leave the self-feeder. He would just keep hitting it with his paw and never stop eating. He's always hungry. It's just his nature to want to fill that appetite. What about you? Do you ever wrestle with temptation? Of course you do. So do I. So does everyone. We all have an appetite that selfishly wants to be fed. It's part of our human nature. And I'm not just talking about a food appetite here. See, we live on this everyday battlefield between flesh and spirit. It's a war that every believer wages by putting on the armor of God as we read in Ephesians 6. Now, last week we had our first Sunday gathering in person at the listening room, and it was so good to see all of your faces and to worship together in the same room. And uh, we shared our vision for house churches in 2021, what that looks like going forward. So if you missed that, uh, you can catch up on our app by watching any video or listening to the podcasts. Uh, We have a video on our Instagram and YouTube page. It's called House Church Update 2021. You're going to want to see that. And also last week at the listening room for First Sunday Gathering, we kicked off this brand new series called James, Good Advice for Hard Times. And I shared a message on suffering and you can catch up with that also through our app. And um, remember, we have a reading plan. Every single month this year, we're doing Bible reading plans through the YouVersion app. And uh, in the month of February, we're doing a 10-day reading plan based on the book of James. You can join at any time by going to bridgesnashville.com or by joining through our Instagram page. And today, we're going to continue this series talking about temptation. When I was a little kid, uh, it was always Chipmunk's fault. 
Okay, don't act like you didn't have a imaginary friend growing up. We all did. Some of us still do. But whatever it was, whether it was spilling juice on the couch, uh, parents' car keys go missing, or maybe my room was a little messy, Chipmunk did it. It was always Chipmunk's fault. Poor Chipmunk. Every time something bad happened, I would blame Chipmunk. He got in a lot of trouble. Okay, I'm having a little bit of fun today. But isn't it true that none of us ever really want to take on the blame when we succumb to temptation? And too often, we try to somehow shift the blame onto God as if he's trying to trip us up when the truth is we couldn't be further from the truth. We learned last last week that when it comes to suffering, God is never the initiator of pain. He is a good father and he doesn't enjoy or take pleasure in seeing his children go through hard times and suffering. And here's the thing with temptation. God never tempts us, but he will test us. And there's a difference. Let's look at James chapter one. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Now, let me just say right here and now that It is not a sin to be tempted. In fact, even Jesus was tempted, according to the Bible, but he did not sin. We are all tempted. It's simply a part of living in a fallen world. Ever since Adam and Eve first fell to temptation in the garden by eating the forbidden fruit. And when you are tempted, uh, that's a thought that enters into your head. That's not a sin. But when you act out on that thought, That's when sin enters into the equation. So we can choose our response to temptation, either by giving into the flesh or by following the lead of the Holy Spirit. Recently, Sarah and I were talking about anxiety as we've both dealt with our fair share. I'm sure you have over this last 12 months. And here's the thing that we realized. You can't choose what pops into your mind, but you can choose how you respond. Maybe you wake up and anxious thoughts just begin to flood into your mind. You didn't choose that, but you can choose to take those captive. We can all respond by praying in the spirit, which literally builds us up, according to 1 Corinthians 14. Now, addiction is temptation's co-worker. Whether your addiction is to worry, uh, negative thoughts, bad eating habits, uh, substance abuse, pornography, or anything else that's destructive to our mind, body, and soul, temptation will use addiction. When you feel like you're breaking down, praying in the Spirit builds you up. So respond with prayer. A temptation is not a sin, but it can lead to sin. Now that we've defined temptation a little bit, uh, let's see where it comes from. Well, simply put, temptation comes from the evil one, the enemy, Satan, our adversary. And a major way that Satan works is to appeal to our flesh nature, to go after that which is self-gratifying, self-pleasing, self-serving. Simply put, selfish. Every single one of us wrestle with temptation because we've all messed up. Everyone has sinned. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So Jesus taught us to pray specifically when it comes to temptation in his prayer in Matthew 6. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. 
God is good. The enemy is evil. A temptation from the evil one has the purpose to destroy us, to tear us down. But testing, which comes from God, has the purpose to see us overcome and to win the battle. And as we saw last week, when we pass through testing and run our race, it produces endurance, perseverance, and maturity in Christ. And that's what all of us need in our lives. So how do we pass the test of temptation? Well, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37 is one of my favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And there's two verses in particular that speak to this. Verse four says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. And verse 23 says, the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Now, the Hebrew word here for delight is anag, and it means to find your pleasure, satisfaction, and full enjoyment in God. Only God satisfies. Everything this world offers eventually leads to emptiness. See, when you delight yourself in yourself, meaning you're only living to please yourself and make decisions for yourself, well, obviously you're going to make selfish choices, and those will usually wind up in sin. Jeremiah 17, 9 actually tells us the heart is evil and deceitful. I mean, how many of us can give plenty examples of relationships where we followed our heart and those relationships ended up biting us in the back? Culture will tell you, follow your heart or this more recent popular phrase, find your truth. And here's the deal. If your truth or following your heart goes against following God's word and following his Holy Spirit's leading, then according to scripture, God will not order your footsteps. And that's when you can make a wrong move. Oh, but here's the good news. When you delight yourself in the Lord, you cannot make a wrong move. Why? Because he's ordering your footsteps and God will never lead you into temptation. Number two, if you're taking notes, the word is a weapon. James 1, 21 and 22. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. We need to not only know the word of God, but to do what it says. In Luke chapter 4, we see one of the most epic showdowns when it comes to temptation, where Jesus faces off with the devil. And this is right after Jesus was baptized, and it says that he was led by the Spirit and filled with the Spirit. And he goes into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan. Now remember, God tests us to grow us, and that's exactly what he's doing here with his son Jesus. And Christ passes the test and comes out on the other side with a greater level of perseverance and endurance that he would need for his ministry. This is the fully divine and fully human son of God at work. But of course, it was the enemy's goal to see Jesus fail. Temptation is always hard to overcome, but imagine this, Jesus was tempted by the devil while fasting for 40 days in a wilderness. And in this showdown, Jesus gives us a few pointers here on how to overcome temptation. First off, remember, he's filled with the Spirit and led by the Spirit. Second, he responds to every temptation from Satan with the Word of God. 
The enemy used different tactics of temptation on Jesus. First, he appealed to Jesus' physical needs. Jesus was very hungry, and Satan says, uh, turn these stones into bread. Next, Satan tempted Jesus to take the easy way out. Christ knew that he had to do some pretty hard stuff to fulfill the Father's plan. He had to go to Jerusalem, suffer at the hands of man, and be killed for our forgiveness. And the devil tempted Jesus to bypass all of that with a dramatic display of God's power that would firmly establish Jesus as the Son of God. And finally, the devil tempted Jesus with something that he tempts many of us with, power. I will give you the kingdoms of the world if you will worship me. But Jesus responded to every temptation with scripture. And notice he didn't say, now hold on a minute, devil, while I look up this verse. No, he had God's word hidden in his heart. As believers in Jesus and followers of God, we need to have God's word hidden deep in our heart and not just pull the Bible off the shelf in case of an emergency. Paul, the apostle, actually called the word of God a sword in Ephesians chapter 6. In fact, in the armor of God, it's the only offensive weapon listed. And don't miss the purpose for the full armor of God in the first place. Ephesians 6.11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Which leads me to my final point in passing the test of temptation. Number three, resist the devil and he will flee. Now, this passage actually appears a little bit later in the book of James, uh, in chapter 4, and we'll talk about that in just a few weeks. But resisting the devil is one of the primary ways of beating temptation. Don't allow the enemy a foothold in your life. Don't leave any door open for the enemy. Make your home a place of God's presence. Surround yourself with people who speak life, not negative and complaining people. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in prayer. Worship God throughout your week. You do all those things and the enemy won't even have room to make it into your life. But more practically speaking, one way that we can resist the enemy is by not placing ourselves in sticky situations. Here's what I mean. If gambling happens to be a temptation for you and your drive to and from work every day passes a casino, I would choose a different route. If you're lonely and maybe feeling isolated at night, it might not be the wisest thing to pick up that bottle of wine or to go to the freezer and pick up that gallon of ice cream or to turn on the TV to that Netflix show that's rated TVMA. And we're getting real today. Hear me out. Having a drink if you're over 21, enjoying some dessert or watching TV, none of those are sins in and of themselves. When done in the right motivation and the right mindset in moderation, and within the context of God's word, those are all fine. But when we get outside of his covering and we live outside of his will, doing what we want instead of what he says, basically we're getting out of his guardrails for our lives. And just like driving on the wrong side of the road, you're going to wind up getting into an accident. One great example, uh, sex is a gift from the Lord to be enjoyed within the context of a marriage between a husband and a wife. But when sex happens to take place outside of those guardrails, you're opening yourself to the attack of the enemy. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. 
everything is permissible, but not everything is edifying. Here's what I know. When you're seeking the wisdom of God, living in his word and resisting the enemy, you're going to know what's beneficial and you're going to know what's edifying. Back to 1 Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it for his glory. Delight yourself in him and he'll order your footsteps. See, resisting the enemy is kind of this twofold process. It is resisting the devil and standing firm in your faith and also stepping forward into what God is calling you into. We read on in James 1. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who creates all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. God is the giver of good gifts. He's the father of heavenly lights. And he never changes. He's always good, always pure, always holy. And here's the deal. You are his prized possession. You are the apple of God's eye. Wow. Now, when it comes to teachers, there's two types of teachers. There's that one teacher that we all had in high school who gives us a test to see us trip up. But then there's the teacher who gives the test to see you win and to see you succeed. God is for you, not against you. He wants you to mature in Christ, to develop perseverance, endurance, and wholeness in Jesus. And he wants you to develop holiness as you grow closer into the image of Christ day by day. He's the teacher that wants you to pass the test. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. That's his promise, that he'll provide a way out. God provided a way out for the children of Israel out of Egypt and then out of the desert. And God provided a way out of the clutches of temptation and sin by providing Jesus Christ, his son, to be a sacrifice for us. And here's what I close with. Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You don't have to lose the battle to temptation because Jesus has already won that victory on the cross. Yield to him and he will give you the strength to overcome through the power of the Holy Spirit. At the beginning of this message, I talked about the battle that every believer goes through daily. The war between flesh and spirit. And the way you win that war is by yielding to the right side. Delight yourself in the Lord. Know that his word is a weapon you can use and resist the enemy and he will flee. I want to say today, if you're holding on to regret, shame or guilt about mistakes that you've made in your past, Jesus gives forgiveness. You don't have to hold on to that anymore. The gospel is good news. You can have a brand new life, a fresh start. You can be a new creation today by putting your faith in Jesus. You don't have to hold on to that shame, that guilt, or lies from the enemy any longer. 
And I want to pray for you and with you today. If you want to make that decision, you can shoot me an email, kp at bridgesnashville.com, or you can text the number on the bottom of the screen, and our prayer team is going to pray with you today. It's the best decision you'll ever make. Thanks for listening to the Bridges Nashville podcast. To stay up to date on everything going on at Bridges, you can find us online at facebook.com slash Bridges Nashville or at Bridges Nashville on Instagram.